just kind of leave your finger there. We'll, we'll get there in just a minute. Uh, over the next couple weeks, um, we're going to be talking in a series called In Third Person. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who has referred to themselves in third person. It'd be like me saying, Ryan is a really cool guy. You should really meet Ryan, you know, right? But that's me. Uh, and so sometimes we think that in third person, we're like, yeah, people who do that are weird, you know, but I don't do that. So uh, that's just an example. So hopefully I'm not too weird. Um, but uh, the third person we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks is uh, the Holy Spirit, the third person of, of the Trinity, the third person of the triune Godhead is, is the Holy Spirit. And so that's who we're going to be talking about. And uh, today is Pentecost Sunday. And um, Pentecost Sunday is uh, is a very important day in the Christian church. Um, it 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 is in connection coincides with a Jewish festival called Shavuot, um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we get there, I don't know how many of you guys, uh, you everybody just felt bad about maybe putting on some weight. Anybody just come on. Right, anybody? <laughs> yeah, that's all of us, right? <laughs> you know, and every January we're we're recommitting to losing weight. Today, today, listen, I've got good news for you. All right, I want you to prepare yourself to be encouraged because I feel bad sometimes about putting on some weight. But what I found, and I heard another pastor tell tell this, and I actually had to go look it up because I thought mm, I don't know about this, but it actually turns out that scientifically this is true. Uh, at least, I guess this is the theory. Uh, I, I, am, I read this, that the size of an atom is governed by the average location of its electrons and how much space there is between the nucleus and the atom's uh, amorphous outer shell, all right? So the nuclei are around 100,000 uh, 100, uh, times uh, smaller than the atoms that they're housed in, all right? So that would be if, if the nucleus uh, were the size of a peanut, then the atom would be the size of a baseball stadium, okay? So think about that. Okay, you tracking with me here? You got this? You put on your science hats, right? So, so the, 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 the nucleus would be like a peanut size in the size of a baseball stadium. If you're, if you're sitting in, in Truist Park in Atlanta and there's a peanut <laughs> sitting on the pitcher's mound, that is the nucleus in the size of an atom, and we're all built out of atoms, correct? Okay. Yes, all right. Some of you are saying, I have no clue where you're going with this, but I'm just going to shake my head. So if, if, if we lost all the dead space inside of our atoms, we would each be able to fit into a particle of dust. And the entire human species would fit into the volume of a sugar cube. Huh, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a huh. This, 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 this is what I get. 99.999999% of your body is empty space. Boom, don't worry about your weight problems anymore. <laughs> if you're worried about feeling heavy, you know what? You're empty space, right? I mean, I read that. I was thinking, man, this is crazy. But you know what? I, what, I, what I found that is cool, um, and it, it really, you know, when, when you start thinking about it, if you took all this empty space out of us, and basically we would be, you know, like a dust particle, that's what we would be. Actually, it lines up with Scripture, and uh, 
the first scripture I want us to look at, um, actually I told you to go to the book of Acts. I'm going to read the, uh, Job to you real quick, and you don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll read this to you. Um, but I find this amazing in Job 34 and 14, if you could put it up there. It says, if it were his intention, if it were God's intention, and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all humanity would perish together and mankind would return to what? The dust. Which is amazing to me. Which is amazing to me when you think about it, that scientists are saying basically we're empty. Uh, and that, uh, you know, that if you took all that emptiness out and, and they account basically our mass to energy. Uh, that that, uh, that what, we, what we see and touch is, is energy. But I think this is amazing that when you start looking at this that if God were to take his wind and his breath from us that we would return back to dust and and to me I, I began to think you know God's spirit you know sometimes we we talk about God's spirit but I think we misunderstand the spirit of God in a lot of ways and so this morning I want us to look at uh, what this whole thing of Pentecost is all about because Pentecost is uh, is important it's it's really uh, the birthday of the church uh, when you start looking at the story, it's the birthday of the church. It coincides, as I already said, with the Jewish festival of Shavuot, uh, which is the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. Uh, it, it is uh, where Passover, when we've come through Passover season, and Passover is, signifies basically physical liberation. Uh, Shavuot is uh, it, it's a, it's a spiritual liberation. Uh, where the Torah, where the Ten Commandments, where God's law is given to to liberate his people. And so I want us to go to the book of Acts. Let's go to the book of Acts. And uh, I want us to read in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. This is, this is what we find. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Who? ordered them this is jesus is telling uh his disciples don't depart from jerusalem so while staying with them he ordered them not to depart from jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father so the holy spirit is good because it's a promise to us the holy spirit is is good because it is a gift to us it's a promised gift to us the holy spirit is is, is, a, is a promised gift to us the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, they, they didn't really have an idea kind of what this was, what this was. And so uh, they're in the upper room. They're tearing and uh, they're waiting. They're this promise that Jesus talked about. What does this look like? And so I want us to turn over to chapter 2, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak uh, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, what I find is this, and when I look at what science says, basically that most of the atoms that make us up are empty space and that 99.9999% of our body is empty space, 
what I find in Scripture is this, is that God is intent and God has the mission to fill the empty space within us. God wants to fill us up. God's intent for us is not to be empty people or empty Christians, not to be an empty church. He doesn't intend for us to walk through this life to be empty on the inside, but he intends for us to be filled with something, and that something is his spirit, that he intends for us to be filled with the spirit. There's a problem, though. The problem is this, is that we are already full of ourselves. That's a problem, right? Have you ever tried to put something in to something else that is already full? You won't fit, right? You're trying to get it in. It says it just won't fit. It's already full. It's, it's packed up, right? It's at my house. My, my kids, they, they go to the trash can, and they think that they can just keep putting stuff in the trash can, putting stuff in the trash can. Guys, after a while, it's full, and you got to take the trash out, okay? And, and, and so when I get there, it's running over, and there's stuff like in the cabinet, and I'm pulling it out, and I'm like, please don't do this. The trash can's full. Don't try to stop pushing stuff in. And, and so when I look at Scripture, and I can see that God is intent on us being full, that God is intent on filling our life with his Holy Spirit. But the problem is, is that we are full. We're full of other things. We're full of ourselves. We're full of things of this world. We fill our life with all kinds of stuff that can never fill us really they really can it, it can never really uh do justice to to the space that we hold in our life but see we're, we're it's almost like being full of junk food and candy how many of you love candy come on somebody i know I, we were talking about this i told you you didn't have to feel bad about putting on weight all right but let's just be honest some of us we like gummy bears we like junk food we like candy we like cheesecake anybody like cheesecake Cheesecake Factory, anybody? We're getting up a load to go this afternoon. Who's going with me? All right. So we love this stuff. We love these things. But you can't subsist on that alone. Your life cannot just be full of junk food and candy. We understand that that's not good for us. We understand that, you know what, if you want to shorten your life, you live your life that way. You live your life full of that every day, all day long, and that will shorten your lifespan. It will shorten and limit your ability to do certain things in this, in this world and in this life. And, and so for us, we understand this. And we live our life sometimes in this way spiritually, where we fill our life and our heart and our mind with junk food, junk from this culture, junk that we're surrounded by in this world, ideas and attitudes that we hold. And, and it, it's across the spectrum, whether it be, you know, just uh, the cultural wars that are going on to politics, all kinds of things. We fill our life up till there's no room for God and the Holy Spirit to do anything else within us because we're always full of something else. And so for us, it's important to understand, okay, our life cannot be consumed by everything in this world. Now, I'm not saying that we... We become monks and we're going to move out to the desert and, you know, we're just going to give everything away and we're going to live in a cave and, and basically, you know, wear uh, bathrobes or something like that. That's not what I'm saying, which would be weird anyways. I don't think they did that as monks. But um, w what I'm saying is we have to see ourselves in this world and in this culture as people who are filled by God's Spirit to be able to interact in this culture, be able to interact in this world in a way where we make a difference that we are full of what God wants for us and he wants his Holy Spirit for us. And so that's what 
Pentecost represents. Pentecost represents the feeling of the church. It, it represents the feeling of his people with his Holy Spirit. And so as I've already said that Passover, uh, it signifies physical liberation. Shavuot, it signifies spiritual liberation. It was this significant moment where God called uh, his people to him at the base of this mountain, Mount Sinai. And he said, listen, I want you to come and I want to give you uh, the Torah. I want to give you my law. I want to give you my word. I, basically, I want to give you myself. Because how many know that God wants to dwell with his people? He want, God wants to dwell with his people. If you have ever thought God doesn't love you, you are wrong. He loves you so much, he wants to live with you. And this is what this story is, is about God being with his people. That God wants to call them to him and say, come to this mountain. The only problem was God can be a little bit scary sometimes, amen? And so when you go read Exodus 19, you go read the story of Exodus 19, what you see is a picture of God on this mountain. And basically the mountain is on fire. The mountain has smoke and fire and thunder and lightning. And God says, hey, it's a party, guys. Come on up. And in, in chapter 20, you can go read for yourself. The people say, we ain't going to that party. <laughs> we, we're not going up the mountain, God. This is scary. And so what do they do? They tell Moses. They say, Moses, we want you to go up. You go up and talk to God for us because we're terrified. We're petrified. But see, God wants to be with his people. This is the story of God wanting to be with his people. And we, we look at this journey of, of this people out of Egypt that God has called. And he has a plan for them. And this plan is this. He, he, it's not just to physically liberate them. And that's what we talked about with Passover is, is the festival to remind them, to rehearse, hey, this is physical liberation out of Egypt. But this idea of, of Shavuot is this reminder that God just did not want to get the people of Israel out of Egypt. Now he had to get Egypt out of them. Does that make sense? Just because God takes you someplace physically doesn't mean that you've released all that in here. They've spent years and years and years living in Egypt and being surrounded by Egypt's culture and Egypt's gods and all the things that the Egyptians worshipped. And now all those things were not just surrounding them, but those things were inside of them too. And they carried all these things out of Egypt with them. And so God is looking and he's saying, but now I've got to get Egypt out of you. I can't just get you out of Egypt. Now I've got to get Egypt out of you. And see, the same applies to us. Not only do we come to church and it's like, hey, I, I got you. I got you, you know, out of the bar. I got you. I got you out from where you were at. I got you out from where you are. And you're sitting in church. But some of that stuff still resides in our heart and in our mind, even while we're sitting on the pew of the church. And so there is, there is this, this thing that he wants to draw us closer, not just to be God with his people. See, God has a desire to dwell with his people, but God has an even greater desire to dwell in his people. There is a difference. There is a difference of the with and the in. God says, I've been with you, but now I want to be in you. I've been with you this entire time, I want to be in you. And this is what Jesus had talked about. He had been alluding to it and saying, hey, listen, this temple that you see, you tear it down in three days, I'll build it back up. 
And what he's, he's, he's alluding to is there's something greater than the temple that's coming. He even said those words. He said something greater than the temple is coming. And, and this idea that God would not just be with his people, but God would be in his people. And so we get to this story, this weird story here in Acts chapter 2, where this 120 who are meeting in this room, and what do they begin to see? What, what, was, what was the image on in Exodus 19? If you go read the image in Exodus 19, there was wind, and there was fire, there was thunder, and there was lightning. What is the image that we see in Acts chapter 2? There is wind and there is fire, right? There is this, this presence of God that has not only descended on the mountain in Mount, on Mount Sinai, but now has descended in this room. And the fire, we see fire is a is significant uh, picture of, of God's presence throughout the Old Testament that we see fire on the mountain, even in the temple when, when God's presence, when they, they build the tabernacle, when God's presence comes and fills the tabernacle, this, this fire comes and fills the tabernacle. And so it's reminiscent. All these images uh, should be in their heads. And we don't get this because we're kind of disconnected from the story. But when we begin to see the backstory. We begin to see the images that are connected in, in Exodus 19 through the story of this liberation of the people of Israel. We begin to see how God is revealing himself to them as God is showing up in their lives. Then it's like the, the light bulbs begin to go off to these people. And not only is God just coming in one fire to fill the temple, now God is dividing because he's filling every one of the believers of Jesus Christ who have surrendered their life to Jesus. He's filling every one of the believers with his fire. And he says, I'm not just God with you, now I'm God in you. And this is it. God has a desire to dwell in his people through his Holy Spirit. And, and, and so we look at this, this story, and, and we see that God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. I don't know if you guys remember uh, the Gatorade slogan. Remember the Gatorade slogan, is it in you, right? Is it in you? You know, it was, and it's, it's just a very simple thing, but I ask the same question, you know, is the Holy Spirit in you? Is the Holy Spirit in you? Have you surrendered your life? Have you opened up? Have you said, God, fill the emptiness that's in me? Because there's a lot of empty space. So, God, I need you to fill the empty space. God just doesn't want to fill the empty space. God has been filling empty spaces for a long time. You got to think about it that when he stepped into creation and he spoke the words, uh, uh, let there be light, he began to speak things into existence by his, his very voice that the universe began to ripple out. Things began to be created as the universe began to ripple out. And they tell me that the universe is still expanding. And so the universe is still reverberating from those very first words, let there be light, that at the very edges of our universe, God is still expanding out this creation. And it's amazing to me when I think about this, when I think about what God wants to do in us, that the immensity of the God of the universe, the God of creation, says, I don't want to just be with you. I want to be in you. That same power that spoke planets and stars and galaxies into existence is the same power that says, I want to live in you. And if you've ever thought, I can't do this. I can't, I'm never going to get over this. I can't, I can't, I can't see how this ever is going to be different. I can't see how this habit I'm ever going to lay down. I can't see how my life can ever be changed. You know what? I think we get a small picture of God. 
I think we got to get a bigger picture of God. I think we got to get a bigger picture of the God that stepped on the creation and began to speak things into existence. The God who has the power to change the laws of physics, the God who has the power to create and shape planets is the same God that says, I can break addiction and habits in your life. I am the same God that can create in you a new heart. I am the same God that can speak life into those dead places in your life. I am that God. And so for us, we have to get a bigger picture of who God is. And we have to get, understand that he wants to fill us with his spirit. Acts 17. Acts 17, and we can, we can turn there. I'm, I'm going to read it off the screen. Acts 17 is a story about the Apostle Paul. And Paul is, uh, he is, he is gone to Athens. And Athens is this great big city, and they're very religious, right? Uh, they're very much like our culture. Our, I was talking, talking with Brotonia uh, uh, before church, and we're just, just talking about how, you know what, people may not have a belief in God, but it doesn't mean they're not spiritual. Right. They, they may not profess a belief in Christ, but it doesn't mean they're not spiritual because we, we worship all kinds of stuff. Right. There's all kinds of things that we will worship, all kinds of things we'll give our life to. And, and so when you look at this story with Paul, he goes into Athens and he looks around and he says, I can see you're very religious. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way. Right? Sounds, sounds familiar, right? In every way we can look around us that you are very religious. Next verse. For as I passed along and I observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. So they, they, they wanted to make sure they covered all the bases. We're, we're worshiping all the gods that we think we know, but there may be a God out there that we don't know, so we're going to make sure that we build that God an altar too. And so that was what this altar was, the God of the, of the unknown worship, the God who, uh, who we don't know, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth and having determined and allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. He goes on, he said this, he said, and they sh that they sh so they should seek him and perhaps fill their way toward him and find him, right? See, that's, that's, our, that's people in this world that they have this spirituality about them and they're looking for something. And they'll try all kinds of things. They'll try all kinds of religions. They'll try uh, all kinds of ways to feel God or feel, you know, his life force or whatever they call it. Maybe there's a lot of new age stuff that they'll try because they want to feel, you know, what's out there. And Paul is saying they're trying to feel their way to him, perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of you. For in him... We live and move and have our being. For as even some of your poets have said, see, basically Paul has, has taken one of these Greek philosophers and he's taken uh, this, this, this quote from this Greek philosopher and he's using it to teach them something about Yahweh God, about the 
most powerful God, about the God, the one true God, about the God who is not just unknown, but the God who can be known, and he wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. This God who is revealing himself, this God who is, who is taking off the blinders of this world to those who want to see, to be able to see who he is, says, for we are indeed his offspring. This is what Paul's saying. He says, listen, he says, you're getting an invitation to have your life touched by the God of the universe who wants to not just be with you, but he wants to fill you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. This is what it says. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God wants to fill us. God is not satisfied with you being empty. He's not satisfied with you being empty-headed, empty-hearted, not satisfied with you being an empty life. He's not satisfied with you being 99.9% empty in your life. He wants to fill the empty space in you. He wants to breathe in you. And if he ever stops breathing in us, we return back to dust. And so for us, we have to understand that God has a plan. He wants to fill us. He wants to fill our life. It's, it's last thing I want to do is this. And I thought, how can I, how can I show you this? Last week we had confetti. This week we've got balloons. Guys, if we didn't say church is a party, we, this is evidence right here. And so I've always thought, you know, God, I want you to fill me. I prayed that prayer before. I still pray that prayer. God, I want you to fill me. God, I want you to fill me up. And it, it's, it's kind of like this idea of, of, of how much can God put into us? Well, how, when are you full, right? And so if I was to blow into this balloon, This balloon begins to fill up. Now, is this balloon full? It is not full. There's still more space. It reminds me of Billy Mays. Anybody remember Billy Mays? Can you put that up? Billy Mays. Remember Billy Mays? But wait, there's more. And he goes on, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to fill our life. Now, some of y'all are getting nervous because you think I'm going to bust this balloon. I don't intend to bust this balloon. But what I do intend to show you is just when you think, God, I've got, a, I got enough of you. Wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. Just when you think that you've experienced everything that you, you can experience, wait, there's more. God wants to invite you into the more. God wants to invite you into his fullness. God wants to invite you to say, all right, God, fill me up. I don't know how big this can get, but God, only you know, so I'm going to let it get a God-sized big, not a Ryan-sized big. You know, a Ryan-sized big is, is just, just enough, right? I'm okay with this. It's like the people at the base of Mount Sinai. Moses, you go up and talk to God. We like this God because he got us out of, out of Egypt, but we don't want to go up the mountain. We're close enough, right? But see, God wasn't, he wasn't satisfied with that. And he allowed Moses to come up and be a spokesperson, but he wasn't satisfied with that. You know how I know he wasn't satisfied with that? It's because in the story, the story didn't stop at Mount Sinai. It continues on, and he says, I am God with you, but I have a, God, I have a plan to be God in you. And I want to invite you to the more. I don't want to invite you to pray that prayer, God, fill me up. Fill me with more of you. Now, we can live a life that is full of everything else, and that life kind of looks like this.
That is not God's intention for you. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. God wants more for us. God wants more for our life. And he wants you to see that. Maybe you've gone just close enough and just far enough, and you've come just to the base of the mountain. You know, well, that's far enough. I don't want to get any closer. God's got a scary, you know, he's got lightning and thunder, you know. And he's, I, I, God with us, that's good, I like that. You know, with, with Emmanuel, God with us. That's not the end of the story. That is not the end of the story. And Jesus didn't come as a baby, as Emmanuel, and die on a cross just so that God could be God with us. Actually, Acts is this. It's the continuation of what Jesus had already started. Jesus' story did not stop <laughs> in, in the Gospels. Jesus' story didn't stop with the cross. Jesus' story didn't stop at the resurrection. Jesus' story didn't stop at the ascension. Actually, he says, I'm going away so that as I go away, the comforter can come. That, that the comforter can come and fill your life. The comforter can come and, and do what, what I need the comforter to do. See, the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father, they work in tandem. They, they work together in tandem. And it's, and it's a, a dance of the Trinity almost, this, this idea that, hey, uh, this, is, this is my function. This is my role. And the Holy Spirit has to play a role in our life, guys. And we can say, I don't know about that Holy Spirit stuff. I, 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 you know what? I've, I've seen some of that Holy Spirit stuff where people are shouting and, and you know, you just read something about talking in tongues. I ain't up for all that, Pastor, right? And see, we get hung up on manifestations. I'm not asking you this morning to pray a prayer to give me any special gift. All I want you to pray today is this. God, give me more of your spirit. God, give me more of your spirit. God, fill me with your spirit. God, fill the empty places in my life. You know what? Then I'm going to let God handle how he wants that to manifest in your life. That's his business. That's not my business because it says, and they spoke in tongues as the spirit gave the utterance. Not as Ryan, not as any pastor, not as anybody else taught them, but as the spirit allows us and endows us with gifts and abilities as the spirit manifests itself in our life. I don't have to be scared of that. Actually, that's us stepping into God doing me what you want to do. God, you have full reign. Go ahead and do in me what you want to do. Fill my life. So I want you to stand with me.